I asked you last week, and I'm not going to ask you how many did because I don't want you to lie in church, but, but I asked you last week to pray a prayer with me um, over the course of this week, and, and the prayer was very simple. It was, God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love others deeply. And, and I hope you did that. Um, as I did this week, I got to spend some time um, in Kentucky with, with some of my elders from my former church, and uh, they'd been asking me for months to, to come down and I just meet with them and try to help them work through some issues they were having, and, um, and they knew what I was going to say before I got there, and I knew that they weren't going to listen before I got there, but it was still um, a, a lot of fun to, to go down there and, and spend some time with them and reconnect with some people that I hadn't seen in, in several years, and it um, just really felt on the way as I was driving uh, five hours each way, so I spent 10 hours in the car, and um, I, I had this thought that many years ago, um, when, when I started in ministry and when I got in the ministry, I always said that I wanted this phrase on my tombstone. And it was a phrase that they actually said about Jesus in the book of Acts. They just said, he went around doing good. Like that was what Jesus was known for. And I said, that's what I want on my tombstone. But somewhere over the course of, of years and ministry and a pandemic and, and all of that, like I kind of lost sight of that and, and got to where I wasn't doing, I mean, I was doing good, but, but not like I wanted to do good. And, and have you ever been there? Like, you know, like, you, you were there at one point. Like, you had it. Like, you, you were living life, and you're like, man, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then, like, something happens, and you look back, and like, I'm not there anymore. And so that's where I'm at right now, and that's why we're in this series uh, called A Better Way. Because um, all of those things have been going on, and we've talked about those the last couple of weeks, and life has gotten so rushed, and things have gotten so crazy. Like, we lose sight of like, we know the teaching of Jesus, but we lose sight of the way that Jesus lived. So I want to start with a question uh, this morning, and, and I want you to be honest. How many of you are here right now? I mean, not just physically, because like, of, of course you're here physically. Like, I, I mean, like, mentally, like, you're here. If, if you're online and you're watching and you're here, like, just type that in the chat, like, I'm here. And the reason I say that is because some of you, you won't be here for very long. Some of you won't be here for long at all. Like, you may still be here physically, but mentally, like, or emotionally, your attention's going to be somewhere else. You're here right now in a moment, but you're going to get a text message, and your mind is going to go to that text message. Some of you, got, like, God help you, like, you'll actually initiate a text message in the middle of my sermon. Like some of you, like, like we'll sit here for 20 minutes and you won't be able to take it anymore. Like you're going to have to check your Instagram feed because you don't know what's going to go on for the last seven minutes and you got to stay in touch. Some of you, you'll be thinking about all that you have to do or like me already thinking about where I'm going to eat or what I'm going to eat. You might be worried about something and your mind's going to drift towards that, maybe bills or that distracting person that's sitting two rows in front of you. Don't, don't point at them. Or that cute girl that you saw when you walked in and you were wondering if she had a ring on her finger. Like, if you're here right now, I just want to say I'm glad you're here because some of you, you won't be here for long. And we're going to look at several different stories today. The first one to, to kind of set things up is, is the first miracle that Jesus performed. And he performed it at a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. And, 
And the context was it was kind of incredibly embarrassing for the host of the party. And they ran out of wine. And Jesus' mom said, hey, Jesus, you've got to do something about this. And so he said to his servants, he said, hey, go get these jars and, and fill them with water. And these weren't regular jars. These were probably, scholars say, probably between 20 and 30 gallon jars. And Jesus said to the servants, what I want you to do is I want you to dip some of the water out and take it to the master of the banquet. And God's word tells us this in, in John 2, 8. It said, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have gotten too, too much to drink. But you, he said, you have saved the best till now. The best until now. If you're still with us, the, the best days, your best days, listen to me, are now. If you're just joining us, we're in a message series, like I said, called A Better Way. And what we're doing is we're looking at the way that Jesus lived, not just the truth that he taught, but the way that he lived and the way that he, he loved. And, and one of the most striking qualities about the way Jesus lived is that no matter who he interacted with, no matter what he was doing, he was always present in the moment. He was fully present. He, he lived what's been called in, in uh, with an undivided attention in the moment. He was fully present. And in fact, I wanna show you uh, two back-to-back -back stories in the Gospel of Luke that illustrate Jesus' heart for people. Like right in front of him, like he's fully engaged in the moment. And first one we find in Luke's Gospel in Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, toward the end of the, of the chapter there, Jesus is walking into Jericho. And if you know the, the Bible, you know the story in the Old Testament that the Israelites marched around the walls, they collapsed. This was a long time after that. The, the city had been built back up. Um, it was a pretty big, uh, bustling place. And there's large crowds all around. And Jesus is walking in, and there's this blind man begging named Bartimaeus. And as he's walking in, Bartimaeus begins to cry out. The Bible says that he hears the crowd around him. And he begins to call out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples were offended. Like they had somewhere to go. They had places to do. And so they tell this guy, hey, you just need to be quiet. Uh, like he's too busy for you. Jesus is too important. He has an agenda. Jesus just isn't gonna stop for some guy on the road who's calling out to him. But Jesus rebukes his disciples and they engaged with this single hurting person, fully engaged in the moment. And Jesus stopped and he gave all his attention to him and he said, what would you like for me to do for you? He said, Lord, I wanna see. Could you help me see? I haven't been able to see my whole life. What I really want is to see. And Jesus spoke a miraculous word um, and, and he healed the man. And one miracle is that Jesus healed him. The second miracle is that, that Jesus stopped for a guy that no one had time for. And he was fully engaged with the person that was in front of him. The second, in, in the next story, it's consecutive. It happens uh, just right after this one. It's in Luke chapter 19. And it begins this way. As Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. So, so this part of it tells us that he was actually going somewhere. 
He had somewhere to be. He was passing through. It says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, if you notice, Jesus had already been interrupted one time by a poor man begging. Now he's being interrupted by a rich, corrupt tax collector. What I love about Jesus is he's got time for the down and out, and he's got time for the up and out. He's got time for all of us. He's got time for anyone, and he has a heart for anyone. It doesn't matter where you come from, how bad your baggage is, um, how dirty it is, how rich it is. Jesus cares about you, and he wants to be fully present in the moment with you. And Jesus stops for this guy named Zacchaeus. And if you don't know Zacchaeus, I want to tell you about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Like if, you, like, like if you've been to, to Sunday school, like you drank the Kool-Aid like that, you knew that song. You knew about Zacchaeus. And that's the way it went. Well, he was a tax collector. And in, that, in our culture, like we don't think anything of that. But in that time, like tax collectors, they, they were probably the least respected people of the day. They were, they were usually Jews who had changed over to, to work for the Roman government and collect taxes. And, and not only that, um, but they would oftentimes... Like, this was your tax rate, you had to pay $100 in taxes, they would charge you 200 and they would keep the difference. Like, they were, they were corrupt people. And Zacchaeus, was, as Jesus is walking by, he climbs up in a tree and Jesus notices him. He, he looks up and he sees him and he says, hey, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. Like, we're, we're gonna have lunch together. I've got somewhere to be. I'm just passing through. I've got something to do. But Zacchaeus, listen, I want to I have this conversation with you. He gives a no good sinner his full attention. And when he's talking to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus has this, this moment of deep repentance. And he says something like, I've sinned so many times. I've hurt so many people. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'll do anything I can to make it out. I make it up. And then he just kind of blurts it out. It's almost like you can see that he's making it up on, on, the, on the fly. He says, I will give half my possessions to the poor. I'll pay back four times to anyone that I've cheated. And Jesus looks at the man and says, today, today, in this moment right now, salvation has come to this house. Today. Jesus had an undivided attention in the moment. And he stopped and gave people one of the greatest gifts he can give, his attention and his love. He was always fully present in the moment. And I wanna be like that. But unfortunately, I'm not always like that. Especially if you get me on Sunday morning. And I've been praying for, for some time now to, that God would help me to be engaged with whoever is in front of me. Like I wanna be where, where my feet are. And I wanna not just live for the happy moments in life, like in the powerful moments in life, and the, the outwardly meaningful moments in life, I wanna be present in all the moments, even the annoying moments. Like, I wonder how many of you live in the middle of a, a lot of annoying moments right now. Don't point at that moment, but I'm just saying, you know, like some seasons in life are more annoying than others. Like I remember when all three of my kids were little and I would come home and there's just toys everywhere, like junk, and I always thought, man, someday, somehow, 
I'm going to come home to a clean house. And then I blinked. And now I have my last one graduating in a month. And almost every day I go home to a clean house. And what's interesting is that some of you are doing the same thing that I did. You're complaining today about moments that you'll miss tomorrow. You're literally complaining about the very moments right now that one day you're going to wake up and miss in the future. Now, Jesus was fully engaged in the moment. How many of you are still here? Still here? Good. Because the, the statistical odds would show, and so like Harvard did a study on this, and they found that, that their exact words are the 47% of the time, people's not, minds are not in the same place that their feet are. 47% of the time, you're in a conversation with someone, your mind isn't fully engaged. 47% of the time that you're sitting in church or at the dinner with your family or, or engaged with someone at work or talking to someone at the gym, 47% of the time, almost half your walking life, your mind is not fully where your body is. In fact, one of the biggest enemies of our attention, I would argue, is, is our mobile devices, our cell phone. In fact, it's shocking to think about this, how often we can be distracted from the very place that we are. The average cell phone user, studies showed they touch their phone 2,617 times a day. That's a lot of you're not in the moment. Like you're reaching over, reaching over. Whatever's in front of you isn't as important as being or, or, or the potential look at the news thing or the stupid cat video or the number of likes or the conspiracy thing your friend sent you. Like you're checking to see if you got a like there. And that's just average, 2,617 times a day. The amazing thing about some of you is that you're way above average. Like we're not a church full of average people. Like when we go out in our dysfunction, we go all out. Like many of us, like we, we do, we go way out. The average is, is 2,617 times. The top 10% of cell phone users, they touch their phones more than 5,400 times a day. Like can I tell you that's just gross? You know, like you need to wash that thing. Like it's, it's disgusting. Thousands of times a day, you aren't with whatever or whoever's in front of you and your mind is somewhere else. If it's not the phone, sometimes it's just, it's just playing games. And I don't mean like video games. Like my mind plays games. And the top two games my mind plays, I play the, the win-then game. The, the win-then game. The one day win, then I'm gonna be happy. And you might do that. You know, like when you're a kid, it's like, hey, when I get to high school, like then I'm gonna be happy. And you're a freshman and you're like, man, maybe when I'm a senior, I'll be happy. Or, or when I'm in college, I'll be happy. Or when I get this debt paid off, I'll be happy. Or when I get a real job, I'll be happy. Or when I get married, I'll be happy. Or when I have children, I'll, I'll be happy. And then they're in diapers, and, and when they're out of diapers, I'll be happy. And then maybe one day when I'm in diapers, I'll be happy. Like we play the win-then game. And so many of us, were literally going through life wishing away the current moment, wishing away what we have right in front of us. And I would say today, don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. Jesus was fully engaged in the moment. If it's not the, the when-then game, I often play the what-if game. Like, like, what if? It's projecting into the future. What if this happens? You, you might do that. What, what if I don't pass this test? 
What if I don't get the, the, to, to go to college? What if I don't get the, the good job? And then what if I don't attract a good spouse? And what if I have dumb kids? And what if we can't afford braces? And because I didn't do a good job and they're going to have crooked teeth. I've ruined my kid's life. All because I didn't pass the test. And we tend to do that. What if? What if? What if? What if this happens? What if the government? What if the economy? What if aliens attack? And on and on and on. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34. He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus says, don't worry about what's coming. Tomorrow will worry about that. And what I love about Jesus is he wasn't like anti-planning. He didn't just haphazardly walk through life. He said, I'm not telling you not to plan for the future, but I'm telling you don't worry about the future. Don't don't worry about it. So are you still here? It's really, really important to be present in the moment. Why is it do you think that we're we're so often we're, we're not fully present? Sometimes it's just that we're plain distracted. But as I prayed about this and thought about it, and like one of the reasons I think we're not fully present is just because we lack faith. I'm gonna be honest, like we lack faith. We're all freaked out about something that happened a long time ago in our past, and I gotta figure out how to undo it. I gotta figure out how to make it right. I gotta figure out how to take care of it. Or we're all freaked out about what happened, what's gonna happen in the future. And, I, and what I've discovered is that, that as I've been praying this, is that the only way we can be present in the moment is to actually surrender the past that you can't change and trust God with a future that you can't control. Like how can we be fully present in the moment? Is we surrender to God a past that we can't change. It's there, it happened, you did it, you said it, it, all of those things. You can't change it. And trust God with a future that you have no control over. Because he cares. He's already been there. He redeems our past and he wants good things in our future. We can be fully engaged with the person that's right in front of us. But listen, but it takes faith. It takes faith in God to, to engage in God's calling that's right in front of you. I love the way that, that James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this in, in James chapter four, verses 13 and 14. He said this, come now. Come now. Like, like right now. You who say today or tomorrow we're gonna go into such and such a town and spend a year there and, and make a profit. Those of you who used to say that, like COVID happened and you didn't get to go anywhere. I mean, you say, hey, you've got it all figured out. We don't have any idea what tomorrow will bring. And he asked this pressing question. He says, what is your life? For you are a vapor or a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. Sometimes just open up your mouth and and breathe on a glass and watch the mist come and watch the mist fade away. James says that's our lives. Like that's where we're at. The image that really gets me often is, is the image of an hourglass. And I like to think about that. Like that's your life. You're here for a little while. And the life that that God has given you on this earth is passing away in the moment. 
And there's three things that, that are interesting to me. One, it freaks me out that the sand is going so fast right now. But the first thing to, to know is, like, no one knows how much sand is on the top, really. You think you do? There's a lot of people who thought there was a lot more sand than there really is. No one knows how much is on top. The second thing is that no matter what you do, you can't stop the sand from flowing. Time is passing. It's passing and it's passing. Every day that we have is a gift from God. Today is a gift from God and some of you, some of you are wishing it away. And the third one is, is that the sand is at the bottom. You can't ever get it back. The most important moment of your life, like we could say, is experiencing God right now with God's people. And that's why I love what David said in Psalm 118, verse 24. He said, this is the day the Lord has made. You've got this day. You've got, you've got today. And because this is God's day, he said, we're gonna be glad and rejoice in it. If you're still here, and I hope you're still here, like I wanna tell you, you can't be happy where you're not. And you can't serve Jesus where you're not. You can't love people the way that Jesus did where you're not. This is the day that the Lord has made. The most important moment is right now. The most important person is the person that's in front of you right now. That's the most important moment and the most important person. And what I recognize is this. Like I used to live for all of the big moments in life. The special moments, the, the powerful moments. But the more I've become fully present, I'm recognizing that the most powerful moments are often the smallest moments. The most meaningful often aren't the mountaintop, but the conversation that I have with Jennifer when we're sitting on the couch, or the conversation I get to have with my, uh, one of my kids as we're, as we're driving down the road. Please don't miss what you have now, pursuing what you want later. This is the day that the Lord has made. And when you look at the way that, that Jesus lived, not just the truth that he taught, but the way that he lived, as he walked along, people weren't interruptions or inconveniences. They were moments and opportunities to engage and to show the goodness of God. This moment's all that you have. This moment. This moment right here matters. And to be fair, I, I don't want you to, like, you to feel like I'm trying to make you feel guilty, because I'm not. I get distracted like crazy. I mean, if you know me, it's like ADD. Like, I, I, can't, I can't hardly be in the church while they're working on the bathrooms down here. I have to go home to work because I'm distracted all day long. When you think about Jesus, though, if there was any time that he would have been distracted from others, if there was any time that, that, that he would have been consumed with himself like we often are, like it would have been on the cross, and when you think about it, he is the sinless son of God. And people stripped him naked. They beat him so he didn't even look like a human being anymore. Whipped and flogged him so that his back was, was torn apart. Probably his internal organs are hanging out. He's hanging on the cross, having to push up with his feet and pull up with his wrists that have nails in them just to catch a breath. People are spitting and cursing at him. And hanging to his right is a criminal, a guy who deserved to be there, 
who looked over at Jesus and he had a conversation with this guy. And he says probably something more uh, than what's reported there. But he said something along the lines of, hey, I've done a lot of bad things. I feel really, really bad about them. I'm really sorry. And whatever he said, like he, he looked at Jesus and he said, hey, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And even in the middle of his suffering, the worst, the most painful moment of Jesus' life, he's fully engaged with this criminal. And he looks over at him and says, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Fully engaged in the moment. See, I don't know who this is for, but you can't serve Jesus where where you're not. And you can't be happy and fulfilled where you're not. And you can't love people where you're not. And if your mind is not where your body is 47% of the time, you're missing out on the life that God gave you. It's right in front of you. You can't be a friend if you're not there. You can't be an engaged mom or dad if you're not there. You can't have a great marriage if you're not there. Until we recognize that this is the day. Today is the day that the Lord has made. And because of that, we will rejoice and be glad in it. God has saved the best days for you for now. Now, in this moment, for some of you, you could experience his grace and his forgiveness. Now, right now, his power is here. His freedom is here. His grace is here. All of his goodness is here. He's with us. Like, can you sense it? Like that holy moment, like God is with us now. And God sent me today to tell you that your best days are now. And if you're fully engaged with the people that God brings in front of you, pouring out your heart in that moment, knowing that that tomorrow is not a promise, but this is a moment that you can experience God, your best moments can be right now. Engage in the moment. Be where your feet are. See what and who God has put right in front of you. And I promise his goodness and his grace and his love is better than you could imagine if you look for it in the moment. For some of you, I'm gonna ask you to stand. And for some of you, today is the day that you need to accept what God has done for you through Christ on the cross. To be the best moment of your life, to have your sins forgiven, to have the gift of the Holy Spirit, to be able to walk in a new life. And today, if you need to make that decision, I wanna invite you uh, to come forward um, as the band leads us in a worship song. Uh, Father God, today, I'm thankful for this moment. I'm thankful for this opportunity to, to be able to share your word. I'm thankful for the group of people that are here, not just physically, but, but, but mentally, the ones that are here, the ones that are online uh, mentally, and, and they're here and they're engaged. Father, I pray uh, today that, that they would see your presence, that they would slow down enough and stop wishing life away to be present in the moment wherever they're at. Father, I pray today that, that very clearly you would help us to see that, that the moment that we have, the person that's right in front of us, that they are the most important thing. Father, we thank you for Jesus who not only all throughout scripture and all throughout his earthly life made time to be present in the moment for sinners like Bartimaeus, for corrupt 
wealthy people like Zacchaeus, that he made the time, that he made the effort to be in the moment. And because of that, because of that, they experienced life and they experienced freedom. Father, I just pray that we would live the way that he lived and love the way that he loved.